Welcome to God and Life and Stuff, a podcast devoted to developing a spirituality sufficient for both the large and the small things of our everyday lives. Today, we are considering the tension Christians have as dual citizens, citizens in the countries God has placed us, and citizens of heaven where Jesus alone is king. With the political tensions so many Americans are feeling these days, I'm reminded how that tension is both shifted and amplified for Christians. And a story about a flag helps me establish some perspective. Almost a decade ago, we removed the American flag from the sanctuary of the church I was pastoring at the time. I don't remember why. It was probably a part of decorating for Advent, the the Christmas season, But the flag got put in such a safe place that we didn't know where it was for several years afterward. It eventually showed up during a massive cleanup project, but for those few years, it was as if it didn't exist. What's interesting is it took almost two years for anybody to notice that it was gone. But when they did notice, a World War II veteran who was a member of the church asked to have it put back in the sanctuary as a symbol honoring those who, like him, had put their lives on the line for our country. And that raised a question for me. Is it appropriate for there to be a national flag inside of a Christian church building, especially in a sanctuary? So to keep this from being just an American question, I thought about my experience in other countries. During the five years I lived in Canada, I worshipped in eight different churches Not one of them had a Canadian flag displayed in it. And during a mission trip to Mexico, our team worshipped in two different churches, neither of which had a Mexican flag on display. Most churches I've been to in the United States don't have a flag either, but there are some who do, and ours was one of those that do. I understand the desire to honor the flag. One of my favorite writers, Wendell Berry, has these lines in one of his poems. Denounce the government and embrace the flag. Hope to live in that free republic for which it stands. We don't always agree with our government. In fact, Americans take pride in the liberty we have to vocally and vehemently disagree with those in power. I mean, this has been essential to who we are as Americans from day one of our national existence. So Wendell Berry distinguishes vocal disagreement with the actions and policies of the government from a deeper patriotism that ties the flag to the love of the idea of what America really is at heart. Too often, we divide ourselves into flag wavers who blindly follow the government and flag burners who blindly reject the idea of America. But it's far more complicated than those two options, isn't it? I mean, we we live in a wonderful country that has done some absolutely heroic things and some absolutely horrific things in the past. We denounce the horrific while embracing the symbol of the heroic, the flag. So the flag is an important symbol, but should it be raised in a church building? Yes, it should fly over public schools, police stations, legislative buildings, post offices, fire stations, veterans associations, and so on. Those all have close ties with the government 
and the idea of what it means to be an American. But what about those churches in Canada and Mexico? Should they have had their national flags on display? Would it have been appropriate for churches in the Soviet Union or in Nazi Germany to fly their national flags in the place where we proclaim Jesus as Lord? Now, I know those last two are extremes, and I definitely do not associate our nation with those. But if it wasn't appropriate to fly flags in those churches, why would it be appropriate for us to fly our flag in our church? Okay, let's get biblical. The most patriotic city in the Roman Empire at the time of the New Testament was the city of Philippi. Hands down. And here's why. After the Battle of Actium, the final battle of the civil war between Antony, who hung out with Cleopatra, and Octavian, who later became Caesar Augustus, Octavian won the civil war and had to decide what to do with the losing army. I mean, he had all these guys. What are you going to do with them? I mean, his solution was brilliant. Instead of punishing them for standing against him, for fighting against his forces, he gave all of them veteran status. He gave all of them full Roman citizenship, which is amazing because only one out of ten people in the empire had Roman citizenship, and he gave them land in the nearby city of Philippi. So instead of being dishonored losers and traitors, they became honored Roman citizens. And because of that, they were fiercely patriotic. Caesar had won their hearts. Therefore, it comes as something of a shock to read in the book to the Philippians these words by the Apostle Paul to the Christians in that city. Philippians 3.20 But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, the term kyrios, Lord, and soter, Savior, those were both titles that Caesar gave himself. So what Paul is doing is reminding the Philippian Christians that Jesus is their new king and heaven is their new country. Christians have a new citizenship and a new patriotism. And yet the Philippians still retained citizenship in the Roman Empire, just as I do in the United States. Becoming Christians didn't negate their Roman citizenship. And throughout the scriptures, we see God's people called on to be good citizens of the nations they find themselves a part of. I mean, even bad ones, even ones they found themselves forcefully exiled into. Jeremiah's letter to the exiles in Babylon is so powerful. This is uh, Jeremiah 29, 4-7. This is what the Lord Almighty the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And that was a hard letter for the exiles to hear. They wanted to hate Babylon. They didn't want its prosperity. They wanted to pray for its dis destruction, not, not for its peace. They wanted to pack up and leave, not settle down and plant gardens and build houses and have sons and daughters. They, they wanted to go back home. They wanted to go back to Jerusalem. 
So here in the scriptures, we've got both of these extremes. We've got Roman flag wavers in Philippi, and we've got exiled flag burners in Babylon. To the Philippian flag wavers, Paul writes that our citizenship and loyalty are elsewhere. They're with Jesus. And to the flag burners in Babylon, Jeremiah writes that we should settle down and pray for the peace of the city, the nation that God has brought us to. We followers of Jesus are like my son Emmett. He is a dual citizen, having been born in Canada to American parents. He has two countries, and so do we. Christians in America are dual citizens. We are Americans who love our country dearly, but whose truest citizenship is in heaven, and we pledge allegiance only to Jesus. So, back to our question from before. Is it appropriate to have a national flag flown in our church building? Well, here's my thought. The sanctuary is where we proclaim Jesus alone as our Lord. Having an American flag flying in a place where we pledge allegiance to Jesus communicates something else to me. I mean, here's a case in point. A few years ago, a teenager from Switzerland was living with us for a few months, and he went with us as we visited another church while on vacation. It was Veterans Day, and the sanctuary was absolutely festooned with American flags. And they, they rippled in the wind on the two huge, large screens on either side of the sanctuary, and, and they adorned uh, flower arrangements around the building. During the service, the boy leaned over to me and asked, Why are they worshiping the flag? It was a fair and revealing question because the flag had taken pride of place during our worship. The cross of Christ was hardly to be seen in the midst of all the red, white, and blue. But having an American flag anywhere else in the building, anywhere not devoted to worship, now that seems appropriate to me. When we finally found the flag in my former church, we put it in our prayer chapel and found it a very appropriate and quite helpful place for it to be. Not just in Jeremiah 29, but elsewhere in Scripture, we are called on to pray for our nation and for those in authority over us as public servants. It's one of the biblical commands that I continually forget to obey. So because I forget to do that, having it as a reminder and as a call for me and for our congregation in the prayer chapel was really helpful. So yes, the flag has a place in church because it has a place in the lives of us as Christians who live in a particular country where God, in his wisdom, has placed us. We are to love and pray for our neighbors and the civil servants who govern us, especially when we are at odds with them. But symbols are powerful, and putting a flag in a place of honor during worship comes dangerously close to the idolatry of nation that Karl Barth denounced in the Barman Declaration, having watched the far too cozy relationship between the German church and the Nazi regime. We need to retain the tension of our dual citizenship. When the governing of Jesus and the governing of our local and temporary human leaders are at odds, our allegiance to Jesus always comes first. Because of this, Many human regimes have found Christians to be subversive and dangerous to their rule, 
And that's true. We are subversive. We are dangerous. We must always be so. Loving and prayerful as patriotic Americans? Absolutely. Cozy in our country and its government? Never. Thank you for taking the time to listen. This podcast is copyrighted 2017 by Pete Santucci. For more of God and life and stuff than is on the podcast, visit the blog PeteSantucci.com.